Hello, my name is Matt, host of the Pirate History Podcast. Pirates rank among the most mythologized and romanticized of all historical figures. It can become easy to forget that pirates were real people that had real-world concerns. If you like tales of high seas adventure, daring do, and also want to learn more about who Blackbeard supported to be king, you can learn more about all of that at the Pirate History Podcast. Situated in the Pacific Ocean, about a thousand kilometers west of continental Ecuador, are the Galapagos Islands, an archipelago formed by volcanic activity that stretches across both sides of the equator. The islands are famed for their endemic species, some of which, like the giant tortoise, are native to the region, while others, like goats, cattle, and that most hardy ocean traveler of them all, the rat, were brought there by passing sailors throughout the centuries. Life in the Galapagos is so diverse that in 1835, Charles Darwin visited the islands during the second voyage in the HMS Beagle, inspiring him to write his seminal work on the origin of species. There is a legend that says the giant tortoises that live on the islands have the ability to stare into the souls of visitors and tell what motivates them, either approving of their visit or marking them for death. The first recorded visit to the island happened by accident in 1535, when Fray Tomas de Barlanga, the Bishop of Panama, was blown off course on his way to Peru to arbitrate a dispute between Diego del Almargo and legendary explorer Francisco Pizarro. Eventually, de Barlanga returned to his native Spain full of amazing tales of the islands and the wondrous creatures that inhabited them. After that, word traveled fast, and the explorers just kept on coming. Pirates from the 17th and 18th centuries would use the islands occasionally as a staging area for raiding parties against British and Spanish ships. In fact, it was the buccaneer Ambrose Cowley who made the first known crude map of the island in 1684, naming each island after a sordid British nobleman and even some fellow pirates. In 1832, Ecuador would claim ownership of the islands, and nobody ever bothered to dispute the claim after. Around 1900, a pair of native Ecuadorians, Jose Valdezan and Manuel Julian Cubos, would attempt to colonize the island by planting sugarcane and harvesting a native lichen used as a coloring agent. But both men were so cruel to their workers that they were later assassinated by them. In the 1940s, the United States set up an airbase on Baltra Island, also known as South Seymour Island, near the center of the archipelago. Legend has it that an American soldier was living on the base with his girlfriend, but when the soldier found out the woman was cheating on him, he flew into a rage and pushed her into a ravine. But as the woman tumbled down the steep embankment, her head caught on a crevasse, but her body kept going. From then on, so the story goes, the woman's headless ghost has haunted the base forever after. Some sailors and airmen have claimed to have encountered her in the middle of the night with the feeling of someone climbing into bed with them, then suffocating them until they wake up. Others claim the headless gringa, as she's come to be known, has the power to bewitch unsuspecting men to head off with her alone to some isolated place, where the rich perfume of Palo Santo that follows her suddenly turns into the sickening aroma of rotting flesh, and that's when she attempts to murder them. Of course, the tale of the headless gringa is just a story made up to scare tourists. There's no record of the unnamed soldier or his girlfriend ever existing, and certainly no record of any woman being decapitated on the base. But even though this particular Galapagos Island legend isn't real, there is another case that really did occur that's equally as bizarre. 
It's a story of a group of settlers who came to the island seeking a new life far away from civilization where they could build a new and better society. The problem is, no matter how far you travel, the one thing you can never get away from is yourself. Freed of the rule of law, with no authorities around to tell them otherwise, who's to say how far a group of people might go to get what they want? Maybe even murder. I'm Nate Hale, reporting to you from a tiny desert island with my faithful volleyball companion, and this is The Conspirators. Floriana Island is a 67-square-mile island in the Galapagos named after Juan José Flores, the first president of Ecuador. For a while in the 19th century, it was known as Charles Island, after King Charles II of England. To this day, there's a wooden barrel that was put there by whalers during the 19th century in what has become known as Post Office Bay, where visitors can drop letters and postcards for other visitors to sift through and hand-deliver them. Back in 1819, a helmsman on the Nantucket whaling ship, the Essex, set the island on fire as a prank. But since it was the dry season, the brush went up far more quickly than the man intended, and the wildfire grew rapidly out of control, scorching much of the landscape black. Even a full day after the Essex sailed away into the distance, the ship's crew could still see the blaze burning on the horizon. A year later, the Essex would sink during an encounter with an enormous whale, an event that would inspire Herman Melville to later write Moby Dick. Apparently, the giant tortoises didn't approve of what those sailors did to their island. By the 1920s, cash-strapped Ecuador would attempt to sell the Galapagos Islands to alleviate their own struggling economy. A wave of European settlers would travel to the Galapagos, seeking open land and the romantic allure of tropical island living. Among those expatriates was a German couple named Dr. Friedrich Ritter and his former patient-turned-lover, Dora Strauch. Ritter an ardent believer in Friedrich Nietzsche's philosophy of the Superman, had grand plans to create a tropical utopia for just the two of them. It didn't quite work out that way. In 1929, Dr. Ritter convinced Dora Strauch that they should leave their respective spouses and set sail together to Floriana Island. Ritter was 15 years older than Strauch, and back in Germany he had treated her for multiple sclerosis. He seduced her and told her that by joining him in his island adventure, she could overcome her illness through sheer force of will. Strauch was frustrated with living the life of a bored housefrau, and with her own body betraying her, she didn't need much convincing. Dora Strauch was devoted to Ritter in a way that seems baffling, considering how poorly he treated her at times. Before they left, Ritter realized getting proper dental care would prove to be problematic where they were going, so he had all his teeth surgically removed although he didn't offer the same service to Strauch until they lived on Floriana Island for several months and her teeth began to rot away. Ritter removed what remained of Strauch's teeth himself with the gardening tools he had on hand. From then on, they shared the same set of homemade stainless steel false teeth whenever they needed to eat. Ritter and Strauch settled in and made a go at building their new utopia. They found the perfect piece of Green Valley for their settlement and called it Frido, a combination of their first names, Friedrich and Dora. The rich volcanic soil was good for growing vegetables, and there was a freshwater spring nearby. During the day, they would stroll the island mostly naked. They claimed this was more for personal comfort under the hot tropical sun than for any sort of sexual freedom. Word of this modern-day Adam and Eve filtered back to the press from stories told by visitors passing through Post Office Bay. 
They became minor celebrities back in Germany, and soon another couple named Heinz and Margaret Whitmer would read about them in the papers and decide to join them in the island, bringing along Heinz's son from a previous marriage, Harry. They expected to be welcomed with open arms by Dr. Ritter, but they were wrong. Ritter was enraged that someone else was encroaching on his island paradise, and he shunned the Whitmers, refusing the medical service, even though Margaret was five months pregnant. Much later, Doris Strauch and Margaret Whitmer would go on to write competing memoirs about their time on the island, and it's clear from both narratives that the two couples couldn't stand one another. Ritter was offended that the Whitmers refused to read Nietzsche or take to the vegetarian lifestyle he swore by. The Whitmers thought Ritter and Strauch were oddballs and hypocrites, even though they talked a lot about ditching society and their own rugged individualism, Ritter and Strauch still relied heavily on generous gifts given to them from passing boats for survival. Ritter refused to let the Whitmers anywhere near his settlement, and instead directed Hines, Margaret, and Harry to go live in a series of caves on the other side of the island that were once used by pirates. As it turns out, the Whitmers proved to be far more successful at living off the land than Ritter ever did, something that only further galled the doctor. But eventually, as time wore on, the two couples would reach something of an uneasy truce, and it seemed for a brief time it might be possible for them to coexist peacefully on the island. That is, until the Baroness arrived. Margaret Whitmer was the first to lay eyes on her. One day, as if appearing out of nowhere, the Baroness came riding over the crest of a hill on the back of a donkey, a pair of young men flanking her on either side. Eloise Bosquet de Wagner Verhorn claimed to be a wealthy Viennese heiress of royal descent, the two men she brought with her were her lovers, Alfred Rudolph Lorenz and Robert Philipson. She gave herself the name the Baroness, although later she would go on to present herself with the more grandiose title of the Empress of Floriana. She had a narcissistic streak a mile long, much to the chagrin of everyone else on the island. At one point she even managed to talk a group of visiting sailors to shoot a short pirate film with her as the star. You can see it online, but beware, it's pretty awful and the Baroness was a lousy actress. Ritter, Strauch, and the Whitmers were mortified by this overbearing woman with her focus on fame and riches. She was the living embodiment of everything Ritter hated about the materialistic lifestyle he had fled in Germany. Whereas the other inhabitants of Floriana wanted a carefree existence of living with nature, the Baroness saw the island as an opportunity where she could make a fortune in real estate by building her own luxury resort for rich yachters, which she planned on calling Hacienda Paradiso. There was one thing Margaret Whitmer and Doris Strauch agreed upon in their competing memoirs. The Baroness was a horrible, horrible person. Her lovers, Lorenz and Philipson, were terrified of her, and she ruled them with an iron hand. She took to walking freely about the island wearing only a brassiere and shorts, while packing a pistol and a whip. She wanted to portray herself like one of the she-devil vixens off the cover of a vintage men's adventure magazine. Witnesses say she had a sadistic streak and that she liked to shoot donkeys in the legs in order to see them suffer. At one point, she shot a visitor on a hunting trip in what may or may not have been an accident. Another time, the Baroness ordered Philipson to steal the Ritter's donkey and let it loose in the Whitmer's garden. In the morning, Heinz Whitmer shot the animal dead, thinking it was feral. Yet another story goes that a honeymooning couple went adrift from a different island and landed on Floriana. But the Baroness refused them aid and drove them back out into the sea. Nice, huh? Pretty much everything the Baroness did ratcheted up the tension among the settlers. The Baroness reportedly started hoarding all the gifts that were left for all of the island's inhabitants for herself. 
Many of these items were, in fact, the very same supplies that Ritter and Strauch had come to rely on for their own survival. Lorenz, the younger of the two paramours, began seeking shelter in the other inhabitants' camps, complaining about the Baroness's inhumane treatment of him. He claimed that Philipson beat him at the Baroness's behalf, and that they routinely starved him to keep him in line. He also told them a secret, that she wasn't really royalty at all, and that she had owned a fancy boutique back in Austria, and that both he and Philipson had worked for her in the shop before becoming her lovers and slaves. Ritter wrote a letter to the governor of the Galapagos airing his grievances about the Baroness. But when the governor finally arrived on Floriana to investigate Ritter's claims, he was utterly charmed by the woman and ended up granting her four square miles of land, including the freshwater spring that was part of Ritter's property. Whereas the Ritters and the Whitmers were only granted 50 acres. Seduction was the Baroness's superpower. Even Ritter and Heinz Whitmer, despite vocally proclaiming to everyone how much they despised the woman, were known to make illicit visits to her home for reasons we can only presume. But the woman's charms could only get her so far, as we would see. Four months after arriving on the island, Margaret Whitmer went into labor, and Dr. Ritter was there to help deliver a healthy baby boy. For a little while, the child's birth seemed to bring out the best behavior in everyone, even the Baroness. But in 1933, a year-long drought settled over the island, and as the supply of fresh water dried up and the animals and vegetation began to die off, Tempers wore thin, and the settlers grew desperate. On March 19th, Strout claimed she heard a blood-curdling shriek, but then shook it off, thinking she was imagining things. Two days later, Lorenz showed up in their camp, claiming he'd finally patched things up with the Baroness. But things got murkier when, a few days after that, he returned to Ritter's camp again, this time with Margaret Whitmer. The two of them made a strange claim that a passing ship had stopped by the island, and that the Baroness and her other lover, Philipson, had hopped aboard and set sail for Tahiti. They were never seen nor heard from again. Strauch didn't believe a word of the story. She wrote in her memoir that she or Ritter would have clearly seen from their camp any boat docking on the island, but they never did. She was convinced the Baroness and Philipson had been murdered, and that either the Whitmers or Lorenz had done it. As evidence, she noted that the Baroness had left behind all her possessions, including her prized copy of the picture of Dorian Gray that she carried with her everywhere. Besides that, she was also surprised to see the Baroness's fancy tablecloth now resided in the Whitmer home on their kitchen table. Strout believed the bodies had been burned with acacia wood, which is plentiful on the island and burns hot enough to even destroy bone. Ritter wrote a letter to an Ecuadorian newspaper fully laying out Strout's theory. The Whitmers denied everything, of course but the accusations against Margaret Whitmer and her husband would drive her to write her own memoir, in which she blamed the entire mysterious disappearance on Ritter and Strauch. Lorenz fled the island the first opportunity he got, seeing potential murderers all around him. He convinced a passing Norwegian fisherman named Nuguru to give him a ride to Santa Cruz Island, then from there to the San Cristobal Island, where Lorenz planned to take a ferry to Guayaquil. The man made it to Santa Cruz, but their boat disappeared after that. Before departing Floriana, Lorenz reportedly whispered to Dora that he had a bad feeling about taking this trip. The drought wore on, making it difficult for the remaining settlers to find adequate food and water. This was especially tough on Ritter and Strauch, since they were both staunch vegetarians. Ritter and Strauch broke down and began eating meat to survive. According to Strauch, one day they found some dead chickens, and even though they knew there was a risk of botulism poisoning, they decided to boil the meat and eat it anyway. The diseased meat made Ritter sick, so sick, in fact, that it killed him. 
although Margaret Whitmer wasn't so sure that's what really happened. Margaret was as skeptical of Strauch's version of the poisoning as Strauch was about the Whitmer's involvement in the Baroness's disappearance. She didn't believe that Strauch and Ritter could possibly both have eaten the tainted meat, yet only Ritter suffered any ill effects. The accusations flew, and Whitmer made an odd claim that Ritter, in his final moments, scribbled a note stating, I curse you with my dying breath, while glaring at Strauch. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the Galapagos, Captain G. Allen Hancock, a frequent visitor to Floriana, made a gruesome discovery. On the black volcanic beach of Marquena Island to the north, he discovered the mummified corpses of Lorenz and Nugarud roasting in the sun. No one knows how the men wound up on Marquena Island. Marquena has a tiny stretch of land in the northern tip of the Galapagos archipelago with no fresh water source, and it's completely in the opposite direction of where Nugarud and Lorenz were headed. Captain Hancock eventually brought word of the bodies he discovered to Floriana, and Dora Strauch, still grieving Ritter's death, chose to sail away with him and return to Germany. The Whitmers chose to remain on the island, and some of their descendants still live there to this day. Heinz Whitmer's son Harry drowned in an accident a few years later. Their baby Ralph grew up and started a thriving tourism business, the sort of operation the Baroness had dreamed of. Margaret Whitmer, the last of the people who knew what really happened on that island, died in 2000. She stuck to her story right until the day she died, claiming that the Baroness and her lover had hopped aboard a mystery vessel and set sail for Tahiti, and from there, out of history forever. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nate Hale, an entirely fictional identity. You can find other episodes, show notes, and transcripts at theconspiratorspodcast.com. If you enjoy the show and would like to help us continue to grow, download us on iTunes and leave us a review. We're also available on Stitcher in the Google Play Store. Thanks for listening.